0: What's up, everyone, and welcome into the second ever episode of Michi Gang Sports. I am your host, Zach, and I am excited to be back as a lot has occurred in the sports world in the state of Michigan. In this past week, we have seen some classics going on between Ferris State and GVSU, between MSU and Indiana, and we have seen a possible rising star in the Detroit sports world step forward and you will hear all that today on the second ever episode of Michigan Gang Sports to start this episode i will be talking about of course Michigan state as everyone knows that has been listening to this i am a huge MSU fan And Michigan State had a game at Indiana last Saturday. This was a game a lot of people consider a trap game. And a game that you could argue that MSU did not deserve to win again. MSU's offense really struggled in this game. MSU didn't really get their big plays going. And that's really a concern for me on this offense. This offense is a very explosive offense for MSU. But the problem is when those big plays don't form, this offense really struggles. And this is very unlike an offense we've seen from years past. Not the fact that they struggle sometimes, but the fact that they don't have those long drives. If you remember the last few years of D'Antonio, MSU's offense was methodical. They would drive down the field. They wouldn't get those big plays. It would be very rare for MSU to have anything over 20 yards. But this isn't like that. This is a team that has big chunk plays, but when they don't have those, they really struggled. And an example of that was at Indiana. Indiana had a great game plan for MSU. They were able to stop Kenneth Walker, and MSU slowly kind of struggled. There was a couple of times in the second half where the offense looked really good and started driving and getting those bigger plays, but in the first half, MSU couldn't get the run game going. The pass game was off. The linebackers were all over the place for Indiana. Speaking of Indiana's linebackers, they are really, really good. They are a top linebacking duo in the Big Ten. They knew where the play was going every time. I When I watched it, I did not see a single time where they were confused. They were extremely smart football players, and they just played hard. They were physical. They didn't let Kenneth Walker get away. They didn't let the play, any play fool them. An example, a good example, is that flea flicker play. MSU ran that flea flicker play for the fifth time. And for the first four times, it was a touchdown. A deep shot for a touchdown to either Naylor or mostly Reed. This time, the linebackers stayed home, which really took it away from MSU. Now... Did we get some yards? Yes, we did. But that was our big play. And you could see that the coaching staff knew that they needed that. Jay Johnson would not have called that flea flicker play if it wasn't for the offense struggling. The offense needed that play to work. And it did. Now, I'm... Talking to you on a Thursday afternoon after a Michigan State win. And honestly, that win was all because of the defense and Coughlin. Coughlin is someone that I've had mixed feelings about for a long time. Freshman year, he was on. He was amazing his freshman year. Sophomore year, he was decent. Junior, senior, and then senior, Um, he was decent. This year, he's been pretty good, honestly. He's hit those field goals that he's needed to. And he's honestly probably one of the reasons why we won this game. He hit a 49 and a 51-yard field goal. Now, in practice and like watching them before games and stuff like that, he would hit these deep field goals over and over. But it seemed like every time it came into a game, he would miss. An example, against Rutgers, he had, I think, about a 30 to 35-yard field goal, hit the first one, hit the second one, they both called time right before, misses the third one, goes into halftime with a miss when MSU should have been up more. Not going to lie, I was pretty nervous when Coughlin went out there for the 51-yarder. He hits it straight down the middle. And I'm like, wow, that looks really good. Still again, nervous. Only 49-yarder. Hits again, straight down the middle. Looked like a really good ball, too. Like, it was against the wind. And it went through. So I got to give credit to him when he does well. When he does his job and he's on. He's on. He shows that he can do it, and he did it. And honestly, because of that, MSU won. Now, before I go on to the defense, I do want to talk about one specific play. This might have been the craziest, smartest, dumbest play I've ever seen in Michigan State history. Indiana played this place so well and if you watch the MSU game, you you know what I'm gonna talk about. We MSU did a double reverse where Tyler Hunt, our tight end, threw the ball downfield into basically triple coverage. To our starting quarterback. We ran literally the Philly special. But our quarterback wasn't wide open. He was in triple coverage. Peyton Thorne. Let me repeat this again. Peyton Thorne was in triple coverage down the sideline. And we had our tight end throwing him the ball. Peyton Thorne literally mossed the corner. I don't know where that came from, but he mossed them and got both feet down for some reason. For somehow. That was the biggest play of the game for MSU. And to this day, I don't know what happened. I don't know why he threw the ball. I don't know why we were in even that play call when the linebacker has been linebackers and corners have been over those plays all game. But anyways, if that play doesn't happen, I could be talking very differently. We could be talking about a loss for MSU. We could be talking a 6 and 1 MSU team going into Michigan Halloween weekend. Now, if you ask a lot of people, if you ask a lot of MSU fans, 6 and 1 going into Michigan, that would have been a dream come true. But MSU fans knew how big this game against Indiana really was because you didn't want to be 6-1 against Michigan. You wanted to be 7-0, get college game day, and be one of the biggest games in recent MSU history, maybe in MSU's history, and maybe in one of my lifetimes. And we'll talk about what's really going to happen with that a little later in this podcast about college game day, but I just want to kind of focus um, on MSU in Indiana right now. Now, let's go to the defense side of the ball. The defense has probably gotten the biggest critique out of any group in MSU. Through the first couple weeks, the defense really kind of struggled. We saw a defense that would give up a lot of yards, especially the corners, and do a break but don't bend defense. Yes, MSU is still kind of like that, but you can really see this defense starting to find an identity. They're really starting to find that defense at the right time. They're finding the corners that are making the plays and shutting down the deep, deep passes. Now, yes, the corners are probably still more of our weakest part. They're probably our weakest part, not going to lie. But Kimbrough and Williams, the last few weeks, has done a great job. This defense against Indiana... Is one of the two reasons why we won. If this defense did not step up, we would have lost. And honestly, yes, it is not, it doesn't look like a complicated defense. And again, I will address that a little later because of something some people said, but it's a defense that works. Scotty Hazleton has done a great job. There's been play calls that Scotty Hazleton has had that I've just been amazed by. There was a corner blitz out of absolutely nowhere that's, that got home. Like, that's just a brilliant play call. It's not the most complicated, but he calls it at the right time. And this defense is really starting to turn itself around now I'm not saying we're a top 10 top 20 we're probably an average defense we are not anywhere close to what 2013 was I actually saw on Twitter where it was who would win the 2013 defense or the 2021 offense and I love this team I do I love this offense this offense has so much so much talent so much skill so many explosive players but I I basically, like, chuckled about that. Because that is a very simple answer. It's 2013. That was one of the best defenses I've ever seen from anyone. Not just MSU. That was a scary, scary, scary defense. That was a defense... That shut everyone down. If MSU had 60% of the offense that this team has now, it would be undefeated. We would be talking about a 2013 MSU National Champion team. Now, yes, Florida State did have a really good team with Jameis Winston. But I still believe that if we never lost against Iowa... MSU would have, you could have argued MSU could have been the national champion. Or they would have been in the national championship. But that is for another day, another, another argument that you can make. That's just hypothetical. That did not happen, but that's okay. But this defense is definitely improving. It's getting better. It's playing better. It's making really great plays when it needs to. And that's a really good sign going into Michigan. Now, I'd like to quickly transition into Michigan versus Northwestern. And then I'll transition into MSU-Michigan. This past weekend, Michigan had a bye, which which MSU has this weekend. But um, going into this game... Michigan is favored by, I believe, like 23 and a half points. Would I consider this really a trap game? Not really. The reason why is because it is at the big house, and Northwestern, not very good. Northwestern has been playing better. Hunter Johnson has been playing better. Their defense is still pretty good. But this Michigan team is just so so much more talented than this Northwestern team. Michigan should be able to run the ball on Northwestern holiday. With Coram and Haskins, I could see Michigan easily having 150 to 200 yards. There's no reason why they shouldn't. If they don't, maybe press a little panic button for Michigan on the run game. But I don't expect that to happen. I think. McNamara is going to be what he is. I think he is a solid starting quarterback. That's not going to make bad decisions. That's going to lead them to to a victory. And if, if he does that, they win. Now if Northwestern forces Michigan to throw by stopping the run and McNamara doesn't make the smart throw, doesn't connect, starts turning the ball over a little bit more. There could be a game. But do I expect that to happen? Absolutely not. Now, I have a really good friend of mine that's a huge Northwestern fan. And they could pull a upset. But from what I've seen from Northwestern, I don't really think they can. Because they're going to have to go up against Michigan's defense. Michigan still has a very good defense. Any team playing Michigan is going to have to defend around Aiden Hutchinson. To this day, I still think he's the number two the end. Yes, has he had the pressures he usually have? No. Has he been making as many plays as he has earlier? Not really. But he's still a top-two D-end in the country. Like I said earlier, the only D-end better is the Oregon one. And that's exactly who I want the Lions to take. But Ana Hutchinson is still really, really good. You got Daxon Hill, extremely good. He's one of the better DBs in the big Ten. You got Ross. He's a great linebacker for Michigan. Michigan's big thing is they have a good defense and they have two really good running backs with a good offensive line. And in 95% of the games, that's good enough to win. And Northwestern fits in that 95%. 5% that isn't good enough to win or that's going to be closer will probably be the three main schools that Jim Harbaugh has struggled to beat. MSU, Penn State, Ohio State. As of right now, those three schools are in Michigan's way. Now, do I think MSU is better than Michigan? No, I don't. I think Michigan's slightly better. Now, why do I say they're in the way? Because historically, Jim Harbaugh is sick, is three and three. Historically, Jim Harbaugh has only beat MSU teams that aren't that great, which is not the case in this situation. But if MSU, sorry, if Michigan takes care of business in Northwestern, they have that chance. And I think they do. Now this is where I'm going to start to transition more into the Michigan State Michigan rivalry that's coming up Halloween weekend. This is one of the biggest games in MSU versus Michigan rivalry in a long time. If Michigan beats Northwestern, which I fully expect them to do. I'm just saying they do. Let's say both teams go 7-7. Seven and seven. First thing I want to address is the whole thing of college game day. And the Fox Sports. Noon kickoff. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that MSU and Michigan didn't get noon. Now I know some people are like oh it's just a, it's just a game time, it doesn't really matter. MSU and Michigan didn't get college game day. What's the whole big deal? You're still gonna get a premium time slap. You know what the big deal is? It's because when is MSU ever gonna get game day? I don't care. About this whole fox doing trying to match college game day. Because it's not college game day. Yes, maybe in a few years it could be the next college game day. But there's not going to be a college game day. It's not the college game day right here. Do not tell me that Ohio State and Penn State deserves a 730 time more than MSU Michigan. MSU Michigan deserves that 7.30 time at night. There's no question. Now, if you want to make the argument for 3.30, absolutely. Go ahead. Be perfectly fine with 3.30. College game day, 3.30, great. I would love that. But having a noon kickoff just doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. It's been years since MSU has been MSU and Michigan has been in the top ten when they placed when they face each other. And honestly, this is what I was afraid of. This exact situation is what I'm I was afraid of when I saw Penn State Ohio State. I knew that they were Penn State Ohio State was going to get a better game. Better time than MSU in Michigan. But no matter what the ranking was. The better and the more important game is MSU in Michigan. You can't argue that. Yes, Ohio State, Penn State, huge game. But you got two teams that are rivals that hate each other. They're in the top 10, and you're going to give them a noon new, new kickoff. Now, I know there's whole things about scheduling and TV has priority and network has priority. I understand that. But as a fan, as someone that loves to go to the games, that loves to tailgate, loves to have some fun, I think... We, and I think you, have every right to be upset. I think that a noon game is wrong. Now, I am very happy because we're going to get Gus Johnson. And a huge Gus Johnson fan. Like, he's my favorite broadcaster, like, ever. Like, love listening to Gus Johnson. Well, I won't be able to visit too. Listen, listen to him. I'll be out the game, so I won't even get to experience a Gus Johnson college game because he always has some very memorable, very memorable lines in games, and I expect this one to be no different. But I'm assuming Michigan deserved college game day. They deserved at least a three thirty, maybe even seven thirty game. But that's not the biggest thing that I'm disappointed by that I'm mad about the biggest thing I'm mad or like disappointed by is this, is the Woodward Sports Network if you haven't listened or been on Twitter very recently or don't follow Woodward sports, this is a sports network that I follow that I enjoy. I do really enjoy them. I think they do a good job majority of the time. But there's these two individuals on the network that I don't agree with very much. That I think the things that they have said doesn't reflect the University of Michigan. That doesn't reflect majority of its fans or at least people that i know but they they get paid and they get they talk about michigan you know they're michigan fans they wear michigan stuff and one of them is a former player and number three overall pick and you understand that They like Michigan and that they're very biased towards Michigan. And I fully understand that. And you can basically say that probably about me to MSU. But one thing I don't do is I don't say things about Michigan that are... Bad. Yes, I do critique them. But I don't go around and say you don't know any player from the other team. You like Woodward Sports does. One of the Woodward Sports hosts basically went on and said there's no impact player on the Michigan State's defense. Well, that is factually incorrect. And he knows it. He even specifically went on Twitter said, I know all the players. And he knows it, and he specifically says that. And people and he's like, people are getting upset because they didn't listen to the whole thing. They took the things out of context. He says it's a simplified defense. Okay. You could argue it is a simplified defense. But one thing you cannot argue with me on is that they have no impact player. MSU's defense has two All-Americans, Xavier Henderson, which is rated as one of the best safeties in the country, and Jacob Panashuk, which has the most pressures of a quarterback in the country. He has 15 more pressures than Aiden Hutchinson. You do not see me saying that Jacob Panashuk is better than Aiden Hutchinson because that's not true. Now, I am a huge fan of Jacob Ponashuk. I think he should be drafted. I think he should be, you could say, probably a third, fourth, fifth overall, fifth round draft pick. He's not going to be, at least as of right now, not going to be a first round draft pick like Aiden Hutchinson is. You could argue Aiden Hutchinson is going to be a top 10 pick. You could argue that. He will probably end up being first round just because of how much talent he has. But I'm not going around and saying Michigan has no impact players. They have three. They have at least three. But MSU has at least two. They have Xavier Henderson and Jacob Panajuk. And guess what? I am not a former athlete. Now, I'm not saying I know everything about Michigan. I don't. I don't know everything. I probably could learn more. But at least I know the main key players on both sides of the ball. And it just kind of upsets me that someone that gets paid, someone that is known nationally, disrespects... A team like that says something completely inaccurate. And, yes, MSU fans have probably said the same exact thing. Like Valenti. he said some very, very, very dumb things in the past. And I didn't have a podcast back then, but I disagreed with him. I think that there should be... Yes, there's going to be dislike. Yes, there's going to be hate between both teams. And yes, I don't like Michigan. I'm specifically going to say that on this podcast. I don't like Michigan. But one thing I do one thing I do know though is I respect them. I respect their players. I think Michigan has some great players. Now do I hope on Halloween weekend on the thirtieth, MSU just goes in just pounds Michigan and MSU wins? Absolutely. I'm not going to sit here and just say, "Oh, I hope I hope Michigan wins or this or that. I hope MSU wins this game." I'm just going to come out and say that. There's no way around it. But one thing I'm not going to do, one thing that both fans should should not do is they shouldn't say or at least, okay, fans can. People that are involved in the athletes, in my opinion, athletes are like reporters or people that do podcasts. or that get paid to, shouldn't be saying stuff like that. Like Joe Milton, for an example. He was a quarterback last year, and he was asked about, no, last year or two years ago, and he was asked about Antoine Simmons. And his response was, who's that? Yes, I understand both teams hate each other. Yes, I understand there's very much dislike. But at least you could just say I don't want to talk. Or just don't. All I'm just saying is... I just don't think there should be a way to that you should disrespect players. As a player or as someone... In media. Now there's definitely going to be like that. There's going to be some very dumb takes. And I've probably been. Someone that has had. Very many of them. But that's just a part of sports. You say some specific things. Before the games happen. And then the games happen. And you're like well you look back. Not the smartest thing to say. But both teams should understand that there are very good and top players on both teams. Michigan, you have Cora, you have Hutchinson, you have Haskins, you have Ross, you have Hill. That's just a number of them. MSU, you have Reed. You can argue Naylor. Kenneth Walker. Halliday is kind of starting to get there. Henderson, Panchuk. All of these players are extremely good players. They All impact players. Now you might argue that some of these players aren't nationally known. Or aren't nationally that good. But what you can argue is that they are impact players on that defense. And that is one of the reasons why. You should at least respect, right? and it goes for both te- both fans, that you should respect the other team's really good players. Now, you might not like them. You might not like the other teams. But at least know the other team's players and how they impact the other team. But yeah, so I definitely think that MSU and Michigan is going to be a crazy game. Definitely think it's going to be very close. As of right now, I'm not really going to give my prediction. I probably won't give my prediction. But, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that game. It should be a really fun atmosphere. It's going to be absolutely packed in East Lansing. And I'm excited to see what happens. I'm excited to see who wins. And it's going to be a good game. I have a feeling. And hopefully... Michigan wins this weekend. Both teams go on seminal, top 10 teams. And whoever wins has a chance to go to a college football playoff and they control their own destiny, which is exactly what you ask for from any team ever. Now I'd like to transition over into D2 and the Anchor Bone Classic between Grand Valley and Ferris State, and that is exactly what we got. We got a classic between the number two team in the country versus the number seven team in the country. It was an absolute classic that led to a Ferris State win, 35-27. This was a crazy, crazy game from what I've heard, from what I saw in the stats. And this was a game that Ferris State won, but you could argue that it should have been 35-28 Grand Valley. This is a game that turnovers really hurt it, hurt Grand Valley in and because of that they lost. Ferris State had a 100-yard fumble return for a touchdown. If that doesn't happen, we're talking about Grand Valley State win. But even after that, Grand Valley fought back hard and got a huge touchdown from Hunter Ryzen with a few minutes left to give Grand Valley a chance. But Ferris picked up the first down, and the game was over. Now, this is not a matchup that I think... We will not see it again. This is a matchup that I think we could very likely see in the playoff. I think Ferris State goes on and goes undefeated. I think GVSU goes on and wins the rest of the games. I think both teams make the D2 playoff. And I think both teams could, depending on the bracket, depending on the playoffs, could meet again. And that is something I would love. Because if that happens, I honestly might be attending that game. Because I love both teams. I have I have stakes in both teams. I love one team for one reason. I love one team for another reason. I all I wanted was a really close game between Ferris and Grand Valley and that's what we got. We got a good team between we got a good game between them, and that's because both teams are really good. Both teams have great coaches, great players. And the Angerbone Classic just shows that both teams are going to be considered in the top of the country. Ferris is number one. GVSU only dropped to eight. You have two top ten teams in the country in D2 in the state of Michigan. Enjoy that, because both teams should definitely make a run which is exciting to see. So I will definitely talk more about probably Ferris and GVSU as the year goes on, especially into the playoffs. Let's get into D3 football. This past um, weekend, Hope College beat Olivet at Olivet. Big win there for the Dutchman. Um, Trine also won. Keeping them in the conference as well. And one of the favorites, Albion, is in there as well. Those three are kind of like the big three favorites for the MIAA. And it's definitely going to be a battle between those three. It seems like it's always been trying Albion and Hope for the last five, six years. And it looks like it's going to continue that way. And should be a good one. Hope has a game this weekend against Adrian. It's homecoming weekend. I'd love to be there, but I'm not going. But um, big one there for the Dutchman. Adrian's been a very scrappy team these past couple years. They've lost games that they necessarily shouldn't have. They actually beat Albion uh, earlier this year. Albion was in the top 25 before they lost, in the country before they lost to Adrian. So it just shows that this Adrian team is very scrappy. They play well, they play hard, which is all you can ask for a D3 school. And I think they're going to give Hope a run for its money. Now, I do expect Hope to win this game, but. It should be a good one in a game that I will definitely be paying close attention to. Not because MSU is not playing. Uh, D3 basketball. Just started up uh, earlier this week. I think today was their third or fourth practice for both the men's and the women's. Men's, it'll probably mostly be Albion, Trine, Kelvin, and Hope. Would probably be competing for the MIAA. Haven't been paying a ton of attention to them. But I love watching men's basketball at 3 Especially Hope versus Kelvin. Women's basketball is going to be a fun, fun year for MIAA. Trine is currently number three in the country. Before the season starts very very good team they're returning all their stars from last year and they gave hope a lot of problems last year they almost actually be open they probably should have hope is number one in the country received majority of the first place votes other than two of them so that is very exciting they are re- they are returning three stars all of them are actually seniors coming back due to covid because again extra year But yeah, they are returning three of their nine seniors from last year. Three of probably their most impactful seniors. All of the seniors were very impactful. All of them played a lot. But um, big three seniors coming back. Hope is definitely going to be a favorite for the MIAA and probably one of the favorites for the national championship especially because of Coach Morehouse. He's been coaching for, I believe, 23 years now, and he has like 300-some wins and 90 losses, which is incredible for a basketball coach. And he's headed into another year that's looking like a success. Hopefully they can stay healthy and have a great year. Volleyball, Hope and Kelvin are in the top 10 still. In the country, Hope's number four, and I believe Kelvin is number six. Looks like it's going to be a lot of um, Hope in the top teams. And that's why I'm covering D3, because I'm really excited to see how Hope does. I'm excited to see how other schools do. Um, Hope and Kelvin's men's soccer are playing this weekend. Huge game between those two. I believe, I believe each team. I believe Kelvin has one loss and Hope has two. This is a huge game for both, as whatever happens will be impactful for the MIAA championship. And it always seems like Hope and Kelvin are the ones competing for the men's soccer um, MIAA championship. So yeah, a lot of really good. Games A lot of really good teams in the state of Michigan from the D1 level to the D2 level to the D3 level. It's definitely a really good time for college sports in the state of Michigan. So I would definitely continue to tune in, continue to watch, continue to pay attention, continue to listen. See how both teams do or all the teams do. Now I would like to transition over to the professional sports. And there's a surprise team on the up and up in the state of Michigan. And that's the Red Wings. The Red Wings are 2-0-1. And honestly, they should be 3 and 0 They should have won their first game against the Lightning. But they end up losing in overtime. But the Red Wings are looking really good. One thing I believe that really represents the state of Michigan represents Detroit is toughness. There's never really been a question for a lot of the time of Detroit teams not being tough. They've always been tough. They've always been physical. But they haven't been always good. And... This is where I think the Red Wings are starting to kind of turn that around a little bit. The Red Wings, many, many years ago, five, ten years ago, were the dominant franchise in the NHL, probably in Michigan, you could argue. But then they went on a good four or five years where they've been pretty bad, too very bad. But I think, I think this year's going to be a change now I'm not saying they're going to compete for a Stanley Cup I'm not saying they're maybe even going to compete for a playoff spot but I think we're going to see a Red Wings team that mirrors what the Tigers did this year I think we're going to see a Red Wings team that is going to get a lot of very good play from young from young players that's going to be Somewhat close to the mix, but not necessarily. I think we're kind of starting to see that already. An example is Tyler Bertuzzi. In three games, he's had five goals, one assist. He's been incredibly good this year for the Pistons, and has, and is currently leading them in scoring. He's just been very, very good. He's one of the, like the older players he's twenty six but he's just come to play, and he's just been absolutely physical, like in the first game. Dylan Larkin got hit dirty like right? and Tyler came over and defended him every time a Red Wing has been hit bad or dirty. there's a player right there defending him, and I know that's kind of something like hockey players do. But it just seems like this Red Wings team is different. They're defending their own players. They're defending especially the young players as well. And they're doing a good job at that. An example. An example. There's two really good young hockey players on this team. Lucas Raymond and and Sider. Lucas Raymond got his first professional goal in this past game. He's been incredible. He's been absolutely incredible. He's been everything the draft picked has needed him to be. Lucas Raymond is a very good hockey player right now. Now, does that mean he'll end up that way? No. But... He's been playing extremely well. I'm very excited. I'm very happy. I think he's going to be a huge part of this future. I think we're seeing that. Larkin, the captain, which is awesome to see. He's been playing well. He's finally healthy again. And yes, maybe he's not the star But he's always going to be a really good first center for the Red Wings. Last and not least. That didn't make any sense. But lastly is Sider. This kid is special. He is a special defenseman. In only his third game, he's already looked extremely impressive. And yes, he was a risk when eiserman took him but he's looked so good he's looked incredibly good and i think it's really a great sight to see if you're a red wings fan so i'm really excited i'm hopeful for these red wings hopefully they continue to play well i know there's going to be some bumps and bruises along the way but they're definitely starting to turn around a little bit which i'm excited about the Pistons, they had their first game yesterday, opening game. They end up losing by six to the Bulls at, at home. Uh, Jeremy Grant, again, looked really good. He had 24 points for the Pistons. And, yeah, he just looked really good. Uh, Stewart also looked pretty good, Isaiah Stewart. He had 12 points. Sadiq Bey had 13 points. He looked good. Olenek looked good off the bench. And no Kade Cunningham. We kind of knew that he wasn't going to play very much or he wasn't going to play at all. Hopefully his first game will be coming up very soon. One um kind of concern. I'm not too concerned about, but kind of something to keep an eye on is Killian Hayes. He had zero points last night with two assists and five rebounds, and he went 0-6 from the field. Uh, Didn't play very well last night. Only played his 30th ever game. He's only 20, so I definitely would practice caution um, of like going after him and saying he is a bust. He's still very young still has a lot of time to learn. So has a lot of time to improve. I'm still not giving up on him. I still think he has a bright future. Would love to see him continuing to work on his jump shot, but if if he doesn't, he's still a very good distributor of the basketball, and I think I still believe he has a bright future. The last topic I really want to talk about is the Detroit Lions. A few we- last week, I said a win is coming soon. They'll come soon. And I really hope that's still right. And while I wasn't able to watch the game on Sunday, they lost to the Cincinnati Bengals 34-11. Yes, I know Cincinnati is a lot better than what they used to be, and they're pretty good defensively, and Joe Burrow is going to be a good quarterback. I fully believe that. But that game really worries me because the schedule doesn't get any easier. Next week, they play the Rams against Stafford, the former quarterback of the Lions. Now, that's going to be a very emotional game because... It's going to be the first time Stafford's going to be playing his former team. And as a Lions fan that absolutely loves Stafford, it's still hard to see him in Rams uniform. Now, I'm still going to be cheering for him, but it's just going to be hard to go up against Matthew Stafford because he's gave so much to the city of Detroit. He gave so much to the state of Michigan and... It's just going to be hard. Now, golf is going to be playing against his former team, and I hope this really motivates him to play well because golf has not done well at all. The Lions are 0 6, and golf has just been playing horrible. Like, absolutely horrible. Like, to the point where people are saying, let's put in our backup like that bad. And honestly, would it be. Be it any better for us to put it on backup? Absolutely not. But golf has to improve, and I think that's something that Dan Campbell believes in because Dan Ga- Dan Campbell basically called off Jared Goff, called out Jared Goff and said you have to play better, and it's true. And Dan Campbell also said they're going to look at every situation, which they should no not very many players starting right now should be safe at their spot now there are certain players that are playing that are playing very well that should get more that should get even more time there are certain players that should get less like Derek Barnes from what I've heard he looked incredible yesterday on Sunday he looked absolutely incredible so he sh- and he only played 32 snaps he should be playing more snaps if he continues to play that way. And guess what? Trey Flowers, from what I've seen and heard, he hasn't played good at all. We are paying Trey Flowers $16 million to be an outside linebacker. And he's taking away snaps from, you could say, Derek Barnes. Certain players deserve to play more and I hope that Dan Campbell gives them a shot because what's the worst that could happen right now? The Lions are 0-6. They're 11 games away from going 0-17. Now, no matter what happens this year, Dan Campbell should not be on the hot seat. Even if he goes 0-17, he should not be on the hot seat at all because this team has very little talent. There's certain players that you can pick out here and there. Now they're like, okay, they're very, very good players or they're going to be very good players. But that's all the Lions have. The Lions ha- have a talent issue. And when that happens, guess what? You're not going to win very many games in NFL. Now, in college, you could maybe overcome that by effort, stuff like that, but... The NFL isn't college. And this is something that the Lions are going to have to address. They're going to have to address in the future the QB position, which is something that I think a lot of fans knew. But they're going to have to address it with draft capital. And what I'm just saying is, we have, as Lions fans, you have to be patient. Yes, this year is not going to be fun. Yes, I'm honestly worried that the Lions are going to go 0-17. I do not want that to happen. But if Jared Goff continues to play like he is, 0-17 is a very realistic thing. Now, I'm not blaming this majority on Jared Goff. Now, I'm not saying it's all Jared Goff because there's been other times where it hasn't been. But what I'm saying is the players that are starting – Either have to step up. Or there's going to be change because I fully expect this coaching staff to make changes if a player's not playing right. And this coaching staff is too good. It's too good for this team to go zero and seventeen. Now, talent wise, you could argue it's an zero and seventeen team. You, you could argue maybe have a little bit better talent than the Jaguars. That's not really saying much. But this coaching staff, I hope, makes the right decisions. I trust them to make the right decisions. And I think if they make the right decisions and Jared Goff starts playing a little better and hopefully the lines get a little healthier, which doesn't seem likely because a lot of players are going to be out for a long time. I think... Results will come. I just hope that the team doesn't give up because I know that the team is working hard. I know that the team is fighting hard. You can see it. You can see how much the coaching staff wants to win. You can see how much the players want to win. You you know how much the city of Detroit wants the Lions to win. And I just hope that results will come soon because if they're not, I'm worried that the team... Will fall apart. And when that happens. 0-17 is a real possibility. Thank you again. For tuning into the second episode. Of Michi Gang Sports. I hope you liked it. Uh, make sure to leave a comment. Or let me know what you thought. Leave suggestions. Leave a 5 star review. All of that would be greatly appreciated. Thanks again, and I will see you next week.